This afternoon, we open the Word of God in the New Testament in two passages. We first turn to the epistle of Paul to the Romans, chapter 12, and we read the entire chapter. Our second passage is from 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1 through 12. Romans, chapter 12, the entire chapter, and 1 Thessalonians 4, the first 12 verses. This is the Word of God. First of all, in Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, in serv if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on your head, on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good." Now we turn to 1 Thessalonians 4, and we read the verses 1 through 12. 
Then we will respond by singing together from Psalm 93, all four stanzas. But first, 1 Thessalonians 4, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So far the reading of God's holy word. Let us now sing. <clears throat> this afternoon I may administer the word of God to you as we summarize and confess that in Lord's Day 32 of the Heidelberg Catechism. We find that on page 548 in the back of our book of praise. Lord's Day <clears throat> 32. We echo the word of God in that confession, saying, Since we have been delivered from our misery by grace alone, through Christ, without any merit of our own, why must we yet do good works? Because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit to be his image, so that with our whole life we may show ourselves thankful to God for his benefits, and he may be praised by us. Further, that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruits, and that by our godly walk of life we may win our neighbors for Christ. Can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent walk of life? By no means. Scripture says that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, greedy person, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like, shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's our confession of the Word of God. In response to the sermon, we will be singing together from hymn 43, all six stanzas. <clears throat> Thank <laughs> you. 
Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the words change and renewal, brothers and sisters, are very popular in our time. People who don't like change and renewal will miss out, will be lagging behind sooner rather than later. Yet in our society, you could divide people in those who like to stay with the old, while others keep working for something new, the conservatives and the progressives. In the church also, some strongly dislike change, and others feel that we should change more and more. Most church members, though, do frown upon change for the sake of change. Now, what is it then that determines the need for change? What should be the norm for change? Well, the spirit of the age certainly may not be the norm for the need for change. Rather, time and time again, the Lord calls us to examine our life discern the Spirit, and test our church life on the basis of His words, of His will. So where does the true renewal of our life begin, beloved? And where does the change in the congregation start regarding the renewal of life in Christ? Where does the true and abiding renewal of the church begin? What is it? What does it entail? Do we pursue it by reorganizing our church life, as some suggest? Do we seek it in more contemporary forms of worship, as others prefer? Should we change to more visitor-friendly services, to more child-oriented forms, or to a greater involvement of more of the members, as can be heard? Will that be the way we keep people in the church who are craving change or bring others back or newcomers in? If we are thinking along those lines, we are forgetting the most important, what's first and foremost in our life, namely the renewal of our heart and mind. What's the most important contribution you can give for the outbuilding of the church, my brother and my sister, it is your sanctification, your change to greater holiness. True, your voluntary contributions are significant, and it's important also for everyone to be involved, share the activities, the duties, give your feedback, Yet the most important thing we need is a holy life, a truly renewed life. That's what we confess in Lord's Day 32. It highlights a very important aspect in our life as church members. Most of us have been born and raised in the church, received a covenant education and studied the Bible. We all know the gospel, the glad tidings that the Lord Jesus Christ came to die for our sins and bear our curse. 
Does that mean that if you know, believe, and accept this, your life doesn't need change? Could you be a believer without seeing Christ change your life? Can you be a Christian and still live for yourself? You can't. Lord's Day 32 says, we must do good works because Christ doesn't only redeem us by his blood, he also renews us by his Spirit to be his image. This afternoon, beloved, with Lord's Day 31, I wish to pursue the message we heard this morning a bit further. Living by faith means that you and I truly want to change our life in love and thankfulness to God for Christ and what he did for you and in your place, dying for your sins and rising for a new life. It means a change from living for ourselves, following our own heart, to a life that is lived for God, in thankfulness for God's love for you in Christ. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 14, verse 7, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Then Paul adds there, for this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both, the dead and the living. So I proclaim the deliverance in Christ calls for the sanctification of our life by his Spirit. We see, first of all, why Christ's deliverance calls for our sanctification. Secondly, what Christ's deliverance calls for in our sanctification. And thirdly, how Christ's deliverance shows in our sanctification. So I summarize it as follows. The deliverance in Christ calls for the sanctification of our life by his Spirit. We look at the why that is so, the what it entails, and the how that will show. So first of all, why Christ's deliverance calls for our sanctification. When the Lord delivered the Old Testament people, brothers and sisters, he did so to set them apart, to live for him again. He made that very clear, for instance, in, Rev in Leviticus 11, where he says, I am the Lord your God, consecrate yourself and be holy, because I am holy. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God, therefore be holy, because I am holy. Leviticus 11, verse 44. In his first epistle, the apostle Peter makes sure to emphasize that this word is still a command for the New Testament church as well. As obedient children, he says in 1 Peter 1 verse 14, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. In his instructions to the various congregations under his care, the Apostle Paul as well says, For God 
did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. As we just saw in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 7, he stresses the same in his epistle to the Ephesians. For I ch- for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Ephesians 1 verse 4. And in chapter 5 as well, Paul writes, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the words, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In Romans 12, we read the same. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1, he writes, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Indeed, beloved, this is the instruction of God's holy word, which we may sum up with the words of Hebrews 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You hear that? Without holiness, we won't see the Lord. Is the preaching ever a key of the kingdom of heaven? Without holiness, we won't enter this kingdom and see the Lord. For our sanctification is of life importance. Yes, and then our catechism students already know this meaning of our sanctification. Sanctify, that means we are made holy, declared holy, set apart, devoted to live for God again. What that means? Well, it means that we live again in the sight of God, in the light of God's face, in the warmth of God's Son of Righteousness. As the Son gives light and warmth, it makes life possible. The Son is beautiful and glorious. It makes life happy. The Son is dangerous too, though, and you can get burnt. God, too, is a consuming fire. Hence, we have to deal properly with the Son so that we have life and walk in its light. That's how God wants us to walk in His light, beloved, for He is holy. Holy, 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 the angels sing. Those who live for Him, those who believe in Him, because they have seen Him in Jesus Christ, they also confess Him in His holiness. They also are renewed by His Holy Spirit, renewed in the image of Christ, in true righteousness and holiness. That's when we exude that same holiness, radiate God's warmth, God's love, 
God's purity, God's light. We become children of light who hate darkness and the works of darkness. We are church of the Lord Jesus Christ, a holy Catholic Christian church. We become communion of saints more and more. That is the communion of holy ones, literally. Hence, what is most important contribution you can make to the church, also to our Ancaster congregation, your holiness, a holy life. Right? Well, yes. But how popular is that? How gladly do we aspire for such a renewal? That's the significance of Lord's Day 32, a pursuit that's highly neglected in our time and age. And why is that, beloved? How come the work of sanctification has become neglected so badly in our time? Well, in the first place, there is the common inclination to leave the attention for Christ's work at the forgiveness of sins. And I'm sure the catechism students recognize this very much when I would ask them the question, why did Christ come to earth? For the forgiveness of our sins, they will say. That's it? Yes, Rev, that's all. Nothing more? Do we only celebrate Christmas and Good Friday? No, Rev, also Easter, Ascension Day, and Pentecost. So, why did he give the Holy Spirit to his church? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. For the renewal of our life. Yes, dear students, I would say, never forget the sanctification of your life. Never read the Word of God inspired by this Holy Spirit without asking yourself, what does the Lord teach us, show us, instill in us by this passage? Also read the Word time and time again in order to know God, to know God's holiness, His power, His majesty, His justice, His love, and His mercy. Know the Lord the Holy God, that you also may be holy as He is. He is the Lord God, our Heavenly Father in heaven. In heaven, that is, the Almighty and Holy God who loves you and helps you and wants to see you live for Him. Beware that you don't make Him into a Santa Claus rather than the great and pure and holy fire whose holiness we must hear and see and feel in our life. I trust that you don't mind this bit of a catechism teaching, beloved, so that you actually know what's going on in it from week to week in our catechism classes. Your children, and we all, must be trained, you see, also in listening, in discerning, and in learning to test the spirits. It's not only outside the church, you know, that faith has become a matter of emotion. A church service has to give me a kick. The comfort given there must make me warm. The sermon has to make me feel good. 
This 21st century feel-happy faith, however, isn't very conducive for sanctification. When the preaching calls for holiness, we are called to give ourselves away, give up something, change. We are people who rather receive. So we ask ourselves, what did I get out of it? Rather than discerning what God received from us, what God is awaiting in us and wishes to see in our life. You see, we are living in a world in which people want to know themselves what is good or not, what's right or wrong. We may be willing to aim for some decency, some general Christian idiosyncrasies, but a holy life, a distinctly different life, that's demanding too much. That's when we stand out. Just a little better than the common man than the unbeliever is good enough. That's how sanctification has become discredited and neglected. And now God's Word is coming to you, showing you why Christ's deliverance calls for the sanctification of your life. Why? God says, I am holy, so you be holy. Show my image again on earth, my holiness in everything that makes me stand out as different in the world. And so we see in the second place, then, what Christ's deliverance calls for in our sanctification. Well, let's state from the outset, brothers and sisters, that we do not need to seek it in great and striking changes. Let's begin by asking ourselves how we know God, our Father, in His love, His mercy, His faithfulness, His forgiving grace, His long-suffering, etc., and let's pray the Holy Spirit to instill that same Spirit in us. Really, for a holy life, you don't need to go to the Dominican Republic or Africa even though it's beautiful when some aspire to show their care for the distant neighbor by going there to bring some relief. You can show that in the local hospice and food bank too. We are not called to impress others by the great things we do as long as we are faithful in the everyday tasks and duties in life. Let's show in word and deed the light of God's Son. Let's work on our marriage in the midst of a society with separations and divorces. Let's show ourselves honest and fair in a work atmosphere of cutthroats and crooks. Yes, that also includes the simple and sober conversion and repentance of that which Lord's Day 32 mentions. For those who are greedy shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither will the unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like. In other words, sanctification starts at home. 
shows at work and appears in society. Yes, beloved, I should stress that at this time, sanctification starts at home. You know, every fall I attend a meeting of our local high school where ministers in this region speak with the principal and vice principals. One of the points of discussion has been the lifestyle of the students. Indeed, the matter of drinking, drugs, and sex were mentioned. But you know what was most disconcerting in that discussion? The example too many students receive at home. The example, for instance, of a student who brags on Monday that he got drunk with his father on Saturday. Just one example, a single case, I wish. When children watch their parents drink too much, which is just too common in this time of affluence, as also our so-called Reformed families show, then we should not be shocked when we hear the numbers of students drinking or using drugs. And the same applies to the matter of sexuality, the purity of our body, and the instruction of God's Word that sex before marriage is against God's will. When this instruction is replaced by uncensored TV watching, movie going, and internet usage, we should not be shocked at the number of young people who are beyond the point of self-control and virginity for preservation. In my own premarital counseling instruction concerning the purpose of marriage, I have learned that the instruction in God's Word and the expression of this in the form for the solemnization of marriage, namely, that beside companionship, procreation is its explicit purpose, I have learned that parents and teachers corrected, opposed my scriptural counseling by advising their children to wait with this at least for the first few years. It's become the trend. Sanctification starts at home, beloved, and it begins with our submission to the Word of God. It shows in the smaller matters of life, the everyday interaction of parents and children, of brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's a matter of the holy Catholic Christian Church, the communion of saints and God's holy people. As our Lord's Day shows, so that with our whole life we may show ourselves thankful to God for His benefits, and He may be praised by us. Is that what we are living for still? You know, maybe this sounds surprising, but that's not what people are living for. They want to live, they desire love, and they favor law and order, but living for God? Well, that's the worst part of sin in this world. Man no longer lives for God. 
Yet from Him we are. In Him we live and have our being forever. From Him, through Him, and unto Him are all things, and to Him be the glory now and forever. That's why I mentioned already, when you come to church, with all due respect, it's not important, first of all, what you got out of it, or your children for that matter, but what God gets out of it, what God gets out of you and your children. What are you doing with it in your life, in your families, after church, so that you may show more thankfulness to God for His benefits? Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! That's what sanctification is all about. Namely, that I don't live for myself, but for Him. Yes, and then you will also benefit yourself, beloved, as the Catechism shows. Further, we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruit. We need that too, right? For who does not wonder at times, or doubt, or feels insecure about the forgiveness of our sins, or about the condition of his health? It can happen just like that in the weakness of our faith. We're all wrapped up in our thoughts, worries, and concerns that we forget to focus on God, on His Word, on His promises. Well, then sanctification is called for a repentance, a renewal of confidence and trust. Then your faith will be strengthened too, and your assurance will return, and your conviction, your peace of heart and mind as well. The same applies when we have neglected His will, transgressed His law. Then it's in the way of repentance and faith, in the way of sanctification and return to holiness, that we feel stronger in faith again. You have that also when you go to church, sing together, pray together, and talk with each other that you know to belong to God and to His communion of saints. Then you are reminded, this is what it's all about, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love, love for God and the neighbor. Yes, then the neighbor will see it too your godly walk of life. And by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, this holy life will win them for Christ. They will see it, that you are living for God, for love, and for holiness. And so we come to our third point, how Christ's deliverance shows in our sanctification. These good works should not make us arrogant, proud, like it did the Pharisees in the parable. Let's be aware of our inclination of heart and of the traps of the devil. The devil certainly doesn't want our sanctification, our life in holiness, in thankfulness and praise to God. The devil, therefore, will instigate an approach 
that we do these good works in our own strength, to our own honor, so that we end up being holier than thou people, then we too will come to think or say, I thank you, Father, that I'm not like those sinners, this publican. We are not like them. Let's never forget that our confession starts out in Lord's Day 32 saying, since we have been delivered from our misery by grace alone, through Christ, without any merit of our own, our sanctification too is not our work, but Christ's who renews us by his Holy Spirit. Our sanctification, beloved, also is Christ's work in my life. Indeed, I have to change, to repent, and become new, but by his power. I have to shine like the light in this world, but by his energy. That's why you have to go to him for a truly holy life and pray, Lord, have mercy for me, a sinner, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. He will hear your prayer and help. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. I am divine, Christ said. You are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember, beloved, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Yes, we too, as congregation of the Lord, a holy people, are called to build his church on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the chief cornerstone. That's what we have done this afternoon for the sanctification of our life. In that way we continue, with falling and rising, stumbling and stammering, as we will see in Lord's Day 33, for this call for sanctification is ongoing. Why? God is holy, so you be holy. Why? Christ redeemed us by his blood and also renews us by his Holy Spirit that we may live in the image of our most holy and glorious God. Amen.